turn it off. Blog Talk Radio. with Laura and Kate. I'm Laura Mize, pediatric speech-language pathologist. Hi, Ms. Laura. This is Kate Hensler. I'm a developmental interventionist with the First Steps Program in Louisville, Kentucky. How are you tonight, Laura? I'm good. I'm finally waking up from my afternoon nap. I took one, too. I'm trying to be a little <laughs> more perky than my groggy self. I was I was uh, just kind of laying there, and the boys came in there from work. They uh, both had to work today because they have a new store opening this week, and our, they were kind of bickering a little bit and loud and tired and all that. So they were that woke me up a little more than I would have been on my own. Okay, so update us with the Dream House. How many more days? Well, to the first uh, lock-in date would be the 11th, so 22 days. Now, whether or not we're going to make that, eh, uh, I'm not really too optimistic. But, um, you know, as far as he knows, that's the date, and I'm sticking with it. And it's possible. There sure is still quite a bit to go, but we've made much better progress in the last few weeks than we have for months and months. So Yay! Um, there's talk of putting in appliances this week. Oh! Yeah, so that would be fun. We've had lots of plumbing fixtures go in and a few light fixtures. There will be a lot more light fixtures this week. So it's now like, you know, months ago I chose these plumbing fixtures, and now I'm seeing them. As I'm, oh, yeah, I guess I still like that. You know, I can't remember some of them. <laughs> it's so long. Wait. You told me Friday it's almost ready that you could have a party there, so there you almost. go. Almost, <laughs> yeah. I might need a cooler or something. We don't have a fridge in yet, but it's, you know, there's a lot of can lights, so there are some lights. We have a toilet, one toilet that is set and works. So That's all you need. There you go. It's, it's like a college party. So, um, yeah, it's it's definitely coming along and it's getting to be very exciting. So hopefully, I'm not saying that t- really we'll do 22 days, but I think in in a month is fairly realistic. So. Yay! Well, that's yeah. very exciting. Thank you. Okay. Uh, before we get started tonight, I want to give a big shout-out to Mary Gallagher, who, Kate, I don't know if you remember her, but she emails me periodically, and if I'm not mistaken, well, she sent us a really sweet email a long time ago. She's been listening to the podcast for a long time, and this week she emailed me because I put a little blurb on teachmetotalk.com's Facebook page that the new book was getting ready to come out and if that I'll be sending out a pre-sale coupon to anyone on my email list and Mary wanted to be sure that she was on the list and she uh, was so cute in her email to me. She said, oh, and I'll, I can't wait until we meet on Sunday night. I'll be meeting with you and Kate for the podcast. And I just thought it was so cute that she wrote that. And, you know, sometimes we do forget that people actually listen. And so it's so nice to get, you know, an unexpected little thing. And I know people listen. I mean, I can look at the numbers. And well, we need to have Miss Mary call us sometime. That's what we need to do. She's call in and really meet with us on Sunday evening. That would be well, fun. Well, she's, she's emailed me a couple of times. And when I had that conference scheduled in New Jersey that we had to cancel because of all those hotel problems, she was some uh, the first person to sign up for that. So it was so Aww. nice that she uh, one of our emailed East me Coast back. listeners, to, huh? Yeah. 
to remind me of our little ongoing dates on Sunday night. So I thought that was so cute. So I wanted to send a big shout-out to her. And then I do want to review the conference dates that we've already set up. I'm going to do this every week because I do get questions about this through email, so I know people listen for that. And so I'll be in Knoxville, Tennessee on April 28th, Chattanooga, Tennessee on Friday, April 29th. The following week in Macon, Georgia on Thursday, May 5th, in Atlanta on Friday, May 6th, and then we just scheduled last week Nashville on Friday, May 20th for sure. So I am so excited about those upcoming dates, and I hope that therapists in Georgia and Tennessee and even parts beyond there will join me for those dates in those cities because I know we're going to have a fun, fun day. Laura, Laura is the um, token Yankee of the podcast. I hope that this summer you will be going north a little bit. Now, you've got to go up to <laughs> Michigan, Wisconsin, Indiana. You've done Indiana. so I'll tell you, that's been I've really done fun. Indiana. Okay. I've done Ohio. And, you know, those are northern states to me, so I feel like I'm covered. <laughs> I know. I'm just joking. I know they're Midwestern states. The problem is with some of those other states, we don't have very good lists. And, okay. you know, the main reason or the main place when we're looking at scheduling is if we have a way to directly contact early intervention providers. And if I can't find a website or can't access some kind of list, I know I can always go through the American Speech and Hearing Association and contact the speech pathologists who are in the state or go through the state speech and hearing associations, which we do, but I really like it when I have ways to contact people that work in the early intervention programs. And so in these, that's how we decide where we're going, simply based on that. Do I have enough ways to contact people? Because I'll still do a great conference with 10 people, but it is so much more fun when there are 50 or 60 or 80 people in the room. Right. So that's what we like to do is, is... Okay, so for Five our more northern, more northern. I didn't say northern because to me that doesn't really qualify as <laughs> far north, but it's northern. So if there are folks from Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, those states, and, and the northeast, a, I would north love east, to go to the northeast. Been hard too, huh? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, and we sell tons of DVDs there, and I get email from there every week, you know, several emails from people that are there, but my issue is is really needing a way to directly contact providers and not just speech people because we have a ton of listeners who are, like you, developmental interventionists or special educators or special instructors or whatever they happen to call themselves in the state. And usually some OTs seem in a a few uh, PTs now and again, so, yeah, yeah, well, anyway, if you're a listener O-T-C-T-C. and you're from that area and you have any idea how to get Laura plugged into the appropriate source of how she would get names of early interventionists, let her know, because I want her to rep- go north as well as south, although those will be fun <laughs> locations. Those will be fun. I have, yeah. The truth is I have a good time anywhere I go. Therapists have been so warm and welcoming, and I've had great conferences everywhere. So um, I can't wait. I hope that we'll be able to get more cities booked. But for right now, we're doing Tennessee and Georgia, my little southern tour. So we'll see how that goes. Good. All right. Tonight we're supposed to have a caller, but I don't think she's joined us yet. Let me look really quickly. Oh, Johnny. I I don't see the... Okay, he'll have to just come back and figure out this because he doesn't have it pulled up how it normally is. Okay, Laura, so can I, I ask you, can I be a pretend caller? Yeah, be a pretend I have, caller. I have a real question I want to ask you. 
Okay, go and, ahead. Um, now that and we I, have, I have it, you have it prepped me for this. this so this, mm-hmm. this, is, this is not. Uh, yeah, she has not heard this question. This is an off the cuff, but a very real question for um, a little girl that I see. And I'll just give you a quick. You know, you and I have our own lingo that we can kind of in two seconds describe the kid, and I'm just going to kind of go with that since you know how I say things and you tend to understand me. So this little girl, I've seen her for nearly six months. Um, Initially, I would have said, boy, she appears to be really apraxic. Um, At that time, her all-purpose default word was She just kind of had this guttural thing that she Uh popped out for a lot of things. Didn't really have any words. Mm -hmm. As I said, I've seen her for six months. Now she has, um, I haven't actually counted, but I'm going to say she has 30-ish actual words, um, including all the standards. Wow, hmm, you know, my things are things. Little play words. Yeah, Yeah, play words. But she uses them, and they're always appropriate. And in those 30 words, they're pretty much, she'll use them spontaneously. It's not all I model it, she imitates it. She does um, use them spontaneously. But I kind of feel like I've gotten her this far, and now I'm kind of stuck. You know, I mean, it's just I can't seem to bump. She has a heck of a time with if it's a two-syllable word. If there, it, She can do bubble, but she could not, she... Baby is a real stretch, and she loves babies. The best I've gotten is baby. Um, yeah. So, which for a little girl like that, I would take and just be okay with that for a while. <laughs> really? <laughs> I really would. She only yeah. has thirty words, yeah. and you know, sometimes when kids get when they when they get closer to that fifty word uh, milestone, you know, which is when kids start to do phrases, they're their two-syllable words even get better, too, because that's conceptually and cognitively they're ready to kind of put two parts to that. And, right. and I think, you know, and again, I can't really explain it in the way that a neurologist or a neuroscientist would appreciate, but I just kind of think, okay, that's when they're really kind of ready to do two syllables or kind of connect two things. And because she's got those motor planning issues, she just hasn't been able to do that yet. Will she do um, – How does she? All, does it always have to be a consonant that starts the word? I mean, can she do an op- can she do a word that starts with a vowel like apple? Uh, no, she cannot do apple. She can do up. She can do out. Short, easy. Those good ones that I start with. But she can apple. Yeah. I've tried. She can do because pull. Because it's two syllables. She can yeah. do pull and she can do app, but she cannot do apple. I've tried it and pushed it. Here's a, you know, she's one of those kids who gets it exactly. Like when I do pull, I almost always invariably do pull, and she can do that. But yeah. when, then when then I was trying to use backwards train, chaining to get apples, uh-huh. thinking, okay, uh-huh. we should be able That's to get what that. That's I was going to suggest, yeah. Right, I was trying that, and I didn't model it pull. I just said pull. She couldn't even get that. And it wasn't until after oh. the fact that I thought, oh, I wasn't doing my normal pull. I was just saying pull, you know, right? And couldn't get it. But when I do pull, she says pull. <laughs> because that's in context. Pull uh-huh. doesn't mean the same to her as pull. Right. She has to hear that whole thing for it to be meaningful. <laughs> and it probably that whole, 
You know, I, I have adopted your little, she has to be mad, mad, scared, or excited probably to really be able to imitate it the first time. And so because pull is so much more fun than pull, right. you can't really do it that way yet. I mean, I was uh, surprised I when she couldn't. It what really wasn't until I left thinking, now, how come she always does pull? And I thought, because I didn't do it the same way. You right. know, I just said, come do pull, it that one say way. pull. And she was trying to, her, now her default word has switched up. It's no longer that G thing. It's like kind of a windy peep. <coughs> she kind of, yeah. that's what it is now. And if, if you, and if I'd I, rather her do that, the bilabial, than the yeah. pharyngeal. If I, if uh, I yeah. put too, if I raise the bar too high, that's what I get. You know what I mean? Well, there if you I, go. She's just really apraxic, and you're just going to have to just keep on working hard to build that single word vocabulary. Okay. And then when she gets to the point when she can combine it, she'll be able to. If she can't backward chain yet, try to stick with things like bubble, things that are duplicated with that right. first and second syllable almost the same. Does she do mama and dada? Yes. She does those yeah. well. And she can do yeah. chains of the same simple word. Up, 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 up. You know, it uh-huh. took her forever to get more. She finally got it. Yeah. That was, a, that was a long one. I mean, that was a, mm-hmm. <laughs> that was a woo-hoo. Finally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just keep building her vocabulary. And when she gets closer, when she gets past that 50-word thing, she'll be able to do it at that point, I bet. Okay. I have the had some kids though that, I mean, they... on a little bit older. And yeah. She's, she'll be three in August. And I know mom's kind of like, and I love the mom. She's great and she's good about doing what I want her to do. And, you know, she likes to try and blame herself like the way oh. good mommies do. And it's like, no, right. no, really? <laughs> Not anything you did or didn't do. It's just what's going on with her. Um, you know, she reads to her all the time. She plays with her all the time. She talks to her all the time. Right. She's great. It's just that's kind of where she what's going on with her. And now all we can do is everything we know to do to help her. It's just not your fault. Anyway, I know right. Mom's kind of getting a little impatient thinking, oh, she's almost three. And on the one hand, she yeah. celebrates her successes. On the other hand, seeing this child next to a child with typical language that age, she's still pretty darn delayed. I mean, we love her 30 words, but, you know, I mean, that's... Right. You know, what I would do is take a look at her 30 words and figure out, okay, she has these kinds of patterns. Let me see what other words are so similar to what she can already say and do, and really you might be able to increase... Yeah, you might be able to Mm -hmm. increase your vocabulary faster Mm-hmm. with a pattern that she can already do. You know, if she does up and what other word did you out, she could yeah, try some other things that start with kind of those central vowel things. She could probably do in even she if does it is. She does do yeah. it. Sure. I don't know that I've heard her uh, say it spontaneously, but she will. If I say it 50 times, she will finally say in. I can't get her yeah. to say in. Now, out she uses all the time and she does it I always go out, and she does it just like I do it. You know, yeah. that's definitely she's picked him up exactly the way I put with your prosody. Yes. Yeah, but just okay, look at her word well. list and figure out what's similar. And and she, okay, I know she can already do that pattern. Let me target words that are because you probably could get close to fifty words right. just looking at what she already has. I bet right. you can. And then when you when you get that and she can do those i'm telling you it is like magic unless it's i mean a you know how we always say she's a praxic or she's almost a praxic right <laughs> if she's severely a praxic she really might have a hard time 
getting that second syllable no matter what unless it is that duplicated thing. But I bet if you as you increase your vocabulary and as her motor planning gets better and better, she'll be able to um she'll be able to do it more easily. Will she do it um like baby, baby? Uh, I'm sure she's doing bye bye already, right? Yeah. Yes. She does night night. Mm-hmm. Um, so she does all the standard stuff, and you're mm-hmm. already getting her to do the stuff mm-hmm. in a row. Does she try? Will she try to sing with you? Will she try? Maybe she'll try she'll to do fill like in the blank. In the, yeah, like I was going to say, maybe she'll get something like fall down or you know ah die. Yeah, last week I new. got to do see ya when I left. Yeah, for, so, for about a week she did hi daddy, spontaneously, yeah, and then she, she lost just got it. it, and then she lost it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you're just going to have to build that single word vocabulary. But the easiest way is going to be looking at the pattern she already has and then figuring out, okay, what's close to that? What what can I make, make sense with this particular toy that we're doing today? Okay. Well, don't be surprised if you get an email with those words in it. <laughs> I was going to say, send me a word list. You know I love to do that. That's my, one of my favorite things to do. Okay. Well, don't be surprised if you get one. Yeah, send me the word list. Kind and of I'll one take of those. a stab at that. I mean, in a way, I'm happy because you know she really is using those words last week i can't remember what i was trying to get her to do and i thought it was oh i know it was like a little pegboard thing and we hadn't done anything like that's not my usual thing but i thought oh i'll try it for a little while you know what she Uh did she laid down on the floor put her head down said night night (laughs) (laughs) like a pillow or she didn't want to do it i am so bored with that i don't even (laughs) That's like my little Emma Kate, who when she doesn't want to do something, she leans back and she waves and says, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Like, yeah. Please put that away. Night-night. <laughs> put her head down. Then she said, night-night. I said, uh, does that mean you're done and you're bored? It was so funny. The mom and I were cracking up. So she's cute. That's so I mean, she's, cute. Yeah, in a way, That's like so I said, cute. I want to be happy about it, but I'm starting to get yeah. those vibes from mom like, okay, you know, when well, is she really going to talk? Go in. What's that? But this week when you go in, you can take – what day do you see her? Tuesdays. Well, good. You'll have time to send me like a little word list. You can just copy your note and send it to me. Okay. And then I can help you. And then you can say – you can give that to mom and so say, okay, these, these are the words work. we're going for. Yeah. Okay. That's and then you've got idea. a plan, and mom is going to say, oh, my gosh, Kate's thinking about this. You know, she's she's come in with this thing, and then she's got a goal, too. Right. And so she'll be able to really help you with that. And then you'll just look like primo, ultra-prepared therapist oh, that you yeah. are. <laughs> and in a way, you know, I'm always defensive about uh, playing speech therapist. But, I mean, I really think I've done a good job with her. She was a hard kid. She's made you nice progress. You know, but I don't know if mom really, I know some, you know, a lot of our moms, just because they're moms, and I'm sure I'd be this way if we were discussing my child. We just want them fixed, you know what I mean? Like, I okay, know. she's saying 30 words, but that is not what the other almost three-year-old kids are doing. I know. And I totally get that. And I want her fixed, you do, you know? Right, <laughs> like, and you're glad that mom is still, but aren't you glad mom is still kind of looking for that next thing? Because sometimes it's almost harder with the moms who just think, thank you very much, we're done. Yeah, now she has a little bit. Good luck. No, this mom yeah. realizes that. I mean, that's right. great, but that is really way below where she should be. Right. You know, right. so she is, and and I think also she's hearing the talk click with the, I mean, the, right. clock, yeah, the clock tick with, 
she's almost three, she's almost three. Right. And honestly, what am I going to do without you? Oh, my right. gosh, and, oh, my gosh, yeah. Right. She is a yeah. little older than I sometimes think because I did start with her kind of late. And I, in my right. head, I kind of think I started at two, you know, how you kind of sometimes right. say that close because she was very much like all the other two-year-olds we get who have no words. Right. And New two-year-old, really yeah. And really was more like 30 months or 28 right. months or so. We were a little behind. Well, the other thing is if you push her too hard, she really could shut down a little bit. It's probably past the point where you could really make that happen. But you want to talk to mom about that, too, about I know that you're getting anxious, and goodness knows, so am I. But if we push too hard, there's a possibility that we could just shut this down right now, and you don't want her to plateau. So, yeah, but I think going in with a word list is a great idea. I've done that a lot, even if I sat there and wrote it in my car right before I went in. <laughs> Hot off the press. Well, and I or said to point mom, where I just need to step back, and that's why I've been meaning to ask you this anyway. And since our caller was late in calling, I thought, okay, it's my chance to ask my real question because she is one. But of those you know, this like, is very much like our telephone conversations that we have, as right. weird as we are right. about. Oh, let me go and talk to podcast for us. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I've had other kids like that, and some sometimes yeah. that six months is magic. It just seems like yeah. I, had a lot of kids where I'd sit at the six month review meeting and say, Well, he's using mm, 30, 35, maybe 40 words spontaneously, but we don't have two word phrases yet. And, you know, that's a very specific list of words. And then it seems like a month or two later, the whoa, you know, their vocabularies have exploded. They're using right. phrases. They're, so right. I'm really praying she's going to be one of those kids. I bet you will be, but you can help it along. You can help it along if you target words with patterns that she can already do. Right. And then you're going to look, you know, like a genius to the mom (laughs) because you've taken (laughs) – but seriously, phonologically, you've taken – I'm usually happy with looking like a pretty good wannabe speech therapist. I don't really (laughs) shoot for genius. I just want to – and yet I do Come on, shoot for genius. Work with me here. Then I'll be disappointed. (laughs) No, you know, like I said, I do feel like I've done a good job, and she she really wasn't an easy kid. Um, right. But yet now it's like, okay, time to, to regroup and, and get a little plan here because I do feel like we just need an extra little bump, and I think your idea of do the word list and target those mm-hmm. words would be good mm-hmm. for me and good for Mom because I know Mom yeah, and it like, is yeah, more we've structured. got the shirty words. <laughs> yeah, and it is probably more structured than you normally think about it. Right. But that's what I talk about in the conferences all the time. If we will just apply what we know, (laughs) it usually can help that what's going to happen anyway as far as progress, you know, because you've set the foundation for being fun and now she can, you know, she wants to play with you and now she gets the whole language piece and she's sort of kind of able to imitate a little bit better. But then if you take it that next little step, that'll probably really help her bump it up. Yeah. And again, that that's taking theory to the floor. That's really taking what we know about speech and language development and, you know, making it again just a teeny bit more technical. And it really will um, hopefully well, those work are great for her. Suggestions, and I do think it will. She's just one of those. Most kids, I don't know. I can. It's fairly. I don't have to put a lot of focused thought, thought. on a child. You know, usually it just kind of yeah. seamlessly comes along, and then you get one, and right. you think, hmm, I'd like this a little faster. We've kind of 
de- I mean, she will occasionally surprise me with, you know, a, a word, a little better approximation, a little better switch up on the vowels a little, but still, you know, she uses the same words. And her mom says, well, she says sit for everything because, like, if she wants it down, she'll typically say sit, even though mm-hmm. I know darn well she doesn't really mean sit. I said, well, because she can say that, you know. Right. <laughs> she says, sit. She points down. Yeah. Sit, you know. That is so funny. Well, but I think going in with a list and saying to mom, okay, all these words may not work, but here's why we're going to try these, and explaining the science behind what we do. And again, I know to a developmental interventionist that didn't have all those darn, you know, phonetic and phonological classes and all that stuff, that might seem a little foreign to you. But you're you're ready to do that. Well, to make I, I'll give it a shot, let's say that. I think it's a very kind of basic, you know, I'm not going to use the proper lingo when it comes to speech therapy, but I think and I get the general ideas. And you don't need to because ideas. it's a mom. Yeah. It, you're working with a mom. You don't, mm-hmm. you don't need to do that. You don't even really have to understand it. You just have to do it, you know. Right. But I know that you'll understand it anyway. Oh, but, yeah, my. that's what anyway, I would do. Anyway, thank you. Thank you because I need help on her, and I will be emailing you that list of words very soon. So. That sounds great. And what we might do next week is talk about that and kind of that process because okay. I think a lot of therapists, especially people who aren't speech pathologists or people who maybe have are switching to working with early intervention and they've maybe done geriatrics or adults or even school age, they might not have thought about it in this way. So that might be something we can share next week too. Okay, I think our caller probably is, has has forgotten about us today. Mm-hmm. Um, or either, either the time zone, because she's in Arizona. And I did email with her back and forth mm, Thursday or Friday, and she was still going to do it, but something must have come up today. But we have her question, so I'm going to go ahead and read it, because I think it's a good question, and it's certainly something that comes up all the time um, with therapists and certainly something I've experienced, and I'm sure you have too, Kate. But she says, Hi, Laura. I'm a licensed SLP in Arizona, and I'm currently working contract through a home health organization. One of my kids is a 20-month-old little boy, and she said, I'm seeing him for an expressive language disorder who insists on having his pacifier and or his blanket with him during our entire session. She says, I've only seen him three times, and I tried to explain to mom that during our session it might not be better to have either one of those around. Last week his mom tried to take them away, but then he found other pacifiers and blankets lying around the house, which he then proceeded to use during the session. I was wondering if you have any advice. Should I just ignore it when he has them and play with his toys and continue to build rapport and worry about it later or should I be firm with mom about the items being put away she says side note when they are taken away or when he wants them he screams and tantrums until he's given them and then then she says thank you so much and I've certainly had kids who were attached to the darn pacifier or the blanket (laughs) and you either you either have to well let me just say this if I have a kid that really would totally tantrum without them, I wouldn't completely take them away, but I would make sure I was so much fun and that he was having so much fun and he was so into what we were doing that he would forget about the passing in the blanket. And I know that I'm, you know, I can just see some moms right now listening to the podcast and kind of rolling their eyes and going, yeah, oh, that was a big suggestion. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> but that really can happen. Don't you think so, Kate, when you are really playing and really into what you're doing, that a kid who has been hyper-focused on a blankie or a passy will just kind of forget about it and just Absolutely. move on into your little world. Yeah. 
I really do. As a matter of fact, Laura, I'm going to be honest and say, when I first saw this email, my first response was, I've never had a kid I couldn't take a passy away from. And I don't really try and take away a blanket. I don't know. Blankets, to me, are not um, as disruptive somehow. You know, we're right. focused on getting kids to talk, and, and I'm not a big, you have to take the passy away, you know, entirely, right. but during a session, um you know, it just seems kind of counterintuitive that you would have a kid sitting there with sucking on a passy when you're trying to get him to um, hopefully pop out a word or two while you're there. So um, I, I really, I'm pretty, I do prefer when mom does it before I get there, but sometimes moms are either, you know, there's such a pattern set that if they take it away, the kid automatically tantrums. And right, which it sounds it. like that's what right. happens with this little guy. Yeah, I find that a lot of times with those kids, because I'm new and novel and not as familiar as mom, they're less likely to tantrum with me. And I right. usually, I'm pretty matter-of-fact about it. Uh-oh, let's get that passy out, you know, and I pop it out and I put it up high. She could at least really, you know, lean on mom to get the other passies that are right. seen about the house picked up because that, I've had that happen. They find Me one too. in the couch, or they, and you go, oh, no, I just got that one, and then he found another one. But, yeah, if she could do that. The other thing I would do is move right into something where he needs his mouth, like bubbles, or mm-hmm. so that, you know, she snack. has a good Snack. Yeah, snack. <laughs> you know, if, she, if he really likes M&Ms or fish crackers or whatever, Teddy Grahams, he is much more likely to pop that passy out for for that or for bubbles or for... You know, some oral thing where he can't have the passy in his mouth. And once he does, you know, I, I put him up high and I say, you can get it when we're done. Honestly, I do that I just, too, where if you can, yeah, if you can just put it away where visually he's not going to be looking at it. Now, if you're just putting it right beside you on the table, uh, there's no, no hope. Yeah. <laughs> no. Hide it. Uh-huh. I, I try and yeah. put it up and out of their line of sight so that they're not thinking right. about it. But... I really can't say, and I've certainly had lots of passy kids. I can't say I've ever had one that is just so attached uh, that I couldn't get it away without, you know, maybe a minute or not even a minute of squawking. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, my experience is once they know you at all and once they're intrigued by what they think you're going to do with them or what you have in your bag or, you know, they they don't really seem to have a big, huge problem with it. They settle right down and go without it. And I, Yeah, and I try not to be militant about it. I do like you do, like, oh, we don't need that pathy. Come on, let's play. Right. So that you're moving right into something fun, and it's not a big old, give me the pacifier right now. You know that you're not supposed to have that when I'm here for speech. Well, who wouldn't cry, you right. know, with that kind of explanation? Right. I'm playful, you know, but pre- I'd take it. You know what I mean? There's really yeah, no question, I, but then I kind of make a little joke or I make a funny too. sound, and then I just move right on to something I know he likes. Right, and then you just go right into your little routine with playing, and usually they forget about it. And if he cries for 30 seconds, so be it. Mm-hmm. But just move right along and try to go right into something that he really likes. I have had kids who were a little more resistant to giving it away, but they they would almost always trade me for something they really wanted to do. And if they saw Thomas in the bag or a snack or something else that they wanted to do, I would say, you give me that fussy and we're going to play with that. And sometimes it's, you know, it takes be if kids who who really might fuss if I just 
jerked it out of their mouth, which is what I normally do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> With a big kid smile. Was, <laughs> yeah, give me that sassy. Come on, it's time to play. Um, but a kid, I have had a kid or two, and I'm thinking of one little boy in particular that I really had to trade him for it. But mm-hmm. once we did, he loved Thomas. And once I would say, I would hold up Thomas and say, you're going to have to give me Patsy so I can give you Thomas. And boy, that worked great. So she's just got to find what he really, really, really likes. And she's only seen him three times, but three times should be enough for him to have decided, are you fun or are you not fun? Mm-hmm. And it's usually with the, the kids who are having a harder time learning how to play with you and connect with you that are still going to want that blanket and pass it. Because usually by that fourth or fifth time, they're running to the door, you know, knowing, like you were talking about last week with that little guy, your kids who know your routine, so they go sit right where you're going to play. You know, they remember from the previous times from you being there that this is where we sat last time, so I'm going to go plop my little bottle they down go right there. And they are ready. Yeah. Yeah. And so she just might need to up the fun factor more, ratchet it right. up a notch, as I always say, and be more fun when she's doing that. And with the blanket, I wouldn't really insist on it being going away unless he just wants to cuddle with it and right. not some kids, play. Especially some suckers, it seems like if they if they're blanket and thumb sucker kids, right. they get the blanket, they get their thumb in their mouth. But most but of my I blanket play with kids, the blanket. it's a security thing. But they don't really they if they want it they they want it, but then they let it you know they lay it down on the floor yeah. and forget about it very quickly. So I don't really see a blanket as a big deal. I can't remember from this girl's woman's email, Laura. Did it say that she took it from him, or did it say that he had a fit when mom took it from him, or was it clear? She said last week his mom tried to take them away, but then he found other ones. So it sounds and see, I don't know if that happened in the when she first got there, or if it happened shortly before she got there, or maybe mom. You know, I, I don't know. It didn't say when. Um, I really do prefer that moms take it before I get there, but if they don't, I do just what you said, too, and act just kind of, oh, my goodness, you still have that passing. I'm getting that, and then you go right into blank. <laughs> yep. And just go, I mean, I pop it out, and I guess for her, she sounds like she might be a little bit more reserved than we would be about going in and popping it right out of his mouth. But the key is we don't do it in a mean way. It's just matter of fact, it's funny, and then you move right into the next fun thing that you have for him to do instead of making a real big production about it. That's the thing. Timing is everything with toddlers so much of the time with these sessions. And if you'll just kind of move right along. And a kid who wanted a blankie, I would say you can keep your blankie, but put it right here and maybe stuff it under their leg and just keep moving right along. Or a kid who really loved a blanket then I would and wanted it, I, then he would have to. we would have to somehow incorporate it into what we were playing. We would play babies or we would use it to cover up. The farm animals, they're all going to go night-night or something to keep him playing and not just kind of sitting hunkered down with the blanket. Right. Peekaboo, yeah, peekaboo would be a good thing to do with I've that. I've done peekaboo with it. I've done night-night yeah. with it. I've grabbed it and acted like I was going night-night with it, whatever. Yes, yeah. I've done that a lot. But like I said, yeah. usually my blanket kids, it doesn't shut them down that much. You know what I mean? It's just like, oh, yeah. they want their blanket and... Once we get on the road, we're playing. They kind of let it go. They, they forget really, about it, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, but the key is you've just got to be so fun and move into things that he likes. And so if she has found several things that he really liked over the past few sessions, then that's what I would have in the bag. And I would walk in talking about that, just kind of take the Patsy out before he even knew what had hit him, 
and <laughs> throw it to mom and move right on in to uh, that first little toy that he liked. And maybe if um, he might be a low arousal kid that really wants to suck and lay there and, you know, be all, um, you know, cuddled up rather than woohoo and really playing. So I would look at doing some movement stuff first with bubbles or balloons or ring around the rosy or jumping off the couch or something to kind of get that arousal level up because that's what happens a lot too. They they just kind of want to shut down on you. Right. And that's just not really allowed during therapy. <laughs> <laughs> He's not going to talk like not that. Not he yeah, he, yeah. He, a lot of those kids, I agree, they're kind of, my my very unprofessional word is they're kind of lumpy kids, and they like that shutdown mode, and they right. use it a lot. It's comfortable, yeah. It is. It's comfortable for them because they don't have like to do it anything. Because it is easy. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. passy kids who are really into their passies. It keeps them quiet and passy. There's a reason it's called a pacifier. And yeah. it does, in fact, pacify them, but we don't want them pacified during our hour because we want them happy, scared, or mad. We're going with happy. <laughs> <laughs> we want them really happy, and even passive isn't—it's not unhappy, but it's not happy. You know? Yeah, what I mean? and they're not—they're not in a place where they can probably pop out some new words, and no. so you do want them revved up a little so that they are dynamically engaged and right there with you and really you're not just putting on a show and them watching you like they would watch a television you know they are playing with you they're participating so sometimes you do have to get past that um kind of initial little regulation issue and and having the especially the the passy away but let me just interject a lot of speech pathologists will go in when they first see a kid and will say to my mom well the reason he's not talking is because he has a pacifier i absolutely positively do not believe that pacifiers are the reason kids don't talk now i don't want it in the whole time that i'm there and i don't want a kid to have it in 24 7 but passies in and of themselves are not the reason and and so I don't go in all hard-lined about you have to have him weaned from the pacifier by the time we start our first session here. And a lot of therapists do. And a lot of people get really upset about the whole, all the oral motor implications and all the dental problems and all these other things that could happen. But as a mom who's lived through three children, I wanted them to have the passy so that they could settle down and sleep or so that they could recover from... Whatever little drama might have happened during the day, I I needed them to have the pacifier as much as they needed the pacifier. So I don't believe passes are the reason that kids don't talk. But again, a lot of therapists um, get pretty adamant about that. And I, so I'm not a therapist who goes in and says immediately that you've got to take this away. But you do want to wean a kid from a passy by the time they're turning three. Three, I think, is the age that that's appropriate to be done. A lot of people, again, speech pathologists will say, oh, it needs to happen by one or it has to happen by two. Three is kind of my line in the sand. It, haven't you seen really tall kids in Walmart or somewhere, Kate, with a passy, and you think, who didn't have the guts to take that passy away from that kid? <laughs> who is the weenie in that house there? Uh, you know, Suri yeah, Cruz was in People magazine recently, and she's pushing five with her pacifier in her mouth. And I was like, "Ooh, that's pretty big for a pacifier." But who, yeah. who did that? Hmm. What? Did, who did you say did that? Oh, Johnny Ta- Costello. Tom Cruises and <gasps> Katie Holmes' Surrey? daughter. Yes. 
Most recently, she's in people with the pasty. I and messed I'll email them as soon as we're off. What? <laughs> I must email them as soon as we're off the podcast. <laughs> You're going to let them know? It is even the most passive of pa- pacifier speech therapist says, mm, might be a little time to take that thing away. Yeah, she was she was photographed in public walking down the street wow. with a pacifier in her mouth. So that's well, pretty big. Three, yes, I think three is the age. And, you know, by the time my kids were three, they were ready. And they we could do a cute little routine about giving them to the passy fairy so that the, the new babies in the hospital could have a passy to go home with, and they were fine with that. I know now it's pretty popular here to uh, take a kid to Build-A-Bear, and you put the passy in the Build-A-Bear. So oh. then the kid, the kid I, I have has heard the bear. That. <laughs> yeah, and that's been several several moms. The child have done that. has that's kind the of a bear. Yeah, you mean somebody yeah, had a child who didn't take scissors or a knife to that bear? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, this is so funny. A therapist that we know said that she almost ripped the arm off of her kids. Uh, <laughs> I think it was a reindeer to get that darn passy out, like the second night or whatever. I think he had an ear infection, and she thought, "Oh, oh my gosh, I would have waited. I would have waited." I would have been a twenty-four hour Walgreens <laughs> for that. <I> think. <laughs> yeah, I'll Johnny would have been in minutes. the car going to get a new one. Yeah, um, but I think three is just a good age for that. And, again, some therapists might differ on, on what timeline you want to use. And it does depend on, too, the kid's particular needs. Now, a kid who's really sensory, um, you know, has lots of different sensory processing issues and, you know, maybe a kid on the spectrum, you might think three might not be the line in the sand for that kind of kid right. who truly yeah, needed agree. it to regulate and hold it together. Now, I mean, developmentally three. Right. would be, you know, what I would be looking at. So so if they're free but they're really functioning on the 20-month level, mm, maybe not. Give them a little I agree. while. There yeah. are some kids who were just right. so emotionally charged at times that, you know, it's not worth everybody's peace and, you right. know, sense of well-being in the house because somebody decided three was the magic age. For most kids, a lot of times what I see with my more typically developing kids is the parents anticipate a bigger problem than it really is. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, I know like mm-hmm. when I took my kids' bottles and back when my kids were little, too, was the magic age for bottles. Now, I know by today's standards that's really old, but my yeah. two is what my doc and they weren't sucking down milk bottles, but I kind of used them like sippy cups. They'd have juice yeah. in their bottle. They'd have whatever. Um and I anticipate, especially with my eldest, that it was going to be a nightmare because she dearly loved her bottle. And really, it really wasn't a very big deal. A couple of days, she let it go. We moved on. I thought it would be. And a lot of my parents who anticipate something horrible say, you know, it wasn't really as bad as I thought. A couple of days of some crying yeah. and whining, and then they let it go. Well, and we took our oldest ones away right before our second child was born, and that was a mistake because then he just got all the newborns' passies. And so then we waited three, four, five months and then did it again, Mm -hmm. and he was fine with it. And at that point we could say, oh, my goodness, I think the baby's had that in his mouth. That's so yucky. Ooh, yuck. There's his his fit. He was totally grossed out by that. Yeah, and he never wanted to do that again. (laughs) 
or he would try to wash them. And then our daughter turned three in April, and we knew we had a big drive to Disney World in June. So, boy, I waited till after the Disney World trip because I thought <laughs> she needs something to do for 13 hours in the car. You know, so they're it's like the mother of the heavy child, huh? No, we're not going to do it quite yet. <laughs> we're going to wait till after Disney World, after that drive. And then that very next week, she was fine to give it away. We said we were mm-hmm. we were mailing it back to the princess babies at Disney World, and she was totally fine with that. The other thing so I you can happen with giving up passies too early is some kids do uh, just convert to being some suckers. And yeah, and you don't that want that. It's a lot harder to take away. I was mm-hmm. lucky on that. My youngest was a thumbs. Neither of my kids, she took a, Laura took a passy for a very short while, and as soon as she could get that thumb in her mouth, that was it. it was, she was a thumb sucker. But she really decided when she was like four that she was done sucking her thumb, and she did quit. But I see lots of siblings of kids I work with. They're six, seven, eight. They're still sucking their thumbs. So I would hate to pull that passy so early that you create a thumb sucker I would, too, because you really can't get rid of that. Yeah, you can't get rid of that thumb. So I'd much rather it be a passy until they're three than a thumb. Um, And a lot of, you know, people that have to go to really extreme measures with the whole dental appliance to get them not Mm -hmm. to suck their thumb. I have a friend of mine on Facebook that's doing that right now with a little boy that I saw who's, I think he's in kindergarten, and they're having to do that now. Um, So timing is everything on that. So if you can just time it so that it's a little easier for everybody. But that that's in a perfect world. Sometimes it still is pretty traumatic, but most of the time it's not as a big deal as a mom thinks it's going to be. Right. All right, let's move on. I got another email this week that was so great, and we have talked about this a lot, but I just loved hearing this from this mom's perspective. And this is about receptive language delays. And this is She's just had her little boy evaluated, so this is what she says about that. She says, Dear Laura, my son just turned two and was recently diagnosed with moderate to severe expressive and receptive language impairment and moderate articulation difficulties. I had long suspected there was a problem with my son's speech, so the expressive language piece did not surprise me in the least. But I am devastated and surprised by the receptive language findings. My, and I think this is so, this this happens all the time. And again, I love the way that this mom so eloquently worded all of this. She said, my son is a very happy, active, social child, and he is so compliant in the context of our daily routine that I had no inclination that he is not comprehending so much of what I say. He has absolutely no trouble understanding these types of daily communications. It's time for a bath. So he runs Uh, to the stairs to go up. She says, put on your hat and we'll go outside. He gets a hat from the basket, puts his on, and goes to the door. She'll ask him, do you want a banana? And he says, no. How about, and then she'll say, well, how about an orange instead? She said, he smiles and sort of nods and even understands things like, get your beer and we'll go to bed, pick up your milk and give it to mama, don't cry, we'll go to the park after we get these groceries. And, you know, she says he'll stop crying and puts up with the grocery store excursion quite patiently. She said, however, and this is the this is the thing that moms don't get sometimes. He is very inconsistent about following directions in play, which was the red flag that led me to have him evaluated. If I ask him to pick up the cow or put it in the barn, rarely. Despite many, many favorite books featuring farm animals, farm animal bath toys, many trips to actual petting zoos and farms, farm animal puppets, puzzles, 
and lots and lots of exposure and lots of lots of cow moo from mommy. She said, I guess that's what I'm getting at. You know, he still doesn't understand it. She said, other red flags is that he doesn't point to pictures that we've named in books, even if they're his favorite stories that we've read together countless times. And this is what she said, I just assume that he wasn't interested in playing naming games. Otherwise, developmentally, a textbook child with no, she says, no MCHAT red flags, and that means no uh, signs of autism when they did a little MCHAT. And the MCHAT is the checklist for autism in toddlers. Um, and so she said he had none of that. She says that they have a great speech pathologist now after a very discouraging experience with early intervention at 18 months, and they had a developmental specialist who pretty much wrote her son off as stubborn, noncompliant, and spoiled. And she said, mm. now I wish I'd push back and insisted on seeing someone else instead of discontinuing therapy at that time. She says, I feel very equipped very equipped and well-informed working with my son at home, and even in just two weeks I now see a lot of progress, but I'm so confused by these receptive language findings. And I'm so guilty that I attributed his inability to follow directions in adult-directed play to being an independent kid with a strong mind and opinions of his own about how and what he wanted to play. Haven't you heard mom say that before? Oh, he's just not following those directions because he doesn't want because to. he doesn't want to. Yeah, he's stubborn or he's lazy or like she said, you know, the the more in vogue term would be he's independent. He's an independent player. She says, I'm so upset and worried about what this means for his future. I'm a former reading teacher with lots of experience working with kids with learning disabilities, so I know too well how hard it can be. If you have any insights, I would greatly appreciate it. She says, love your website, and I've ordered uh, Teach Me to Listen and Obey, and she's looking forward to getting it. But I love how she worded that with... And she was so honest by saying just because he followed directions in their daily routines, and again, she's a teacher person, so boy, I bet she's had the whole schedule kind of laid out with them doing the same kinds of things, and he knows what to anticipate when she talks to him about things, and he's following those kinds of directions well in daily routines. So she was really, really surprised when he bombed the standardized test and got a pretty low score on uh, the receptive language part, and, and she's feeling really guilty that she didn't identify that problem on her own. Let but me say hear this front, a lot. Laura, I'm, I'm, I feel her pain. I really do. I mean, that would be a blow to any mother, but I'm proud of her that she's willing to, she's accepting it because sometimes mm -hmm. moms don't. They they stick with he's just independent he's just stubborn he just doesn't want to I know he can right. look he and I, I mean I have a lot of moms who tell me well if I tell him to get his shoes and and we're gonna go bye bye he does and it's like yeah but they don't necessarily <sighs> I don't you know, know what I don't say understand. to that what. I tell moms, you know, that's something that a child at about 15 months can do. That's something that a kid, when, when things are moving along, like not even advanced, but when just kind of normal, average kid can, by 15 months, you say, it's time for a bath, and they go to the bathroom, or let's go bye-bye, and they get their shoes. That's something a 15-month-old should do. So if that's all, the on, those are the only kinds of directions your kid can follow it to, there's a problem. And sometimes parents really don't understand 
typical receptive language development. So they think if they understand those really common everyday um, directions that they understand everything. Right. And she had already started to get some red flags, like, you know, he can never find the cow when I say put the cow in the barn. You know, she had sort of put that together. You know, oh, my goodness, there has to be some kind of issue going on here. But a lot of moms do chalk it up to he just doesn't want to do it. So I'm not going to ask him anymore, and I'm just going to, you know, that's not even on their radar that they right. even think that that could be part of the problem. And she is doing a great job by recognizing it and getting right on it with, okay, it's a problem. We are going to fix it. And, you know, here's this tool that I'm going to order that's going to teach me what to do. So she's doing a great job with that. But how many moms do we see that um, might have still kind of argued with that a little bit and said, well, I just don't agree with what that therapist said because there's no way he doesn't understand language because he follows these commands without realizing that those are things that babies with typically developing language babies do, you know, 14, 15 months old are following those kinds of directions that they think are really um, standard or more typical for a kid that's turning two. And, you know, honestly, a kid at two should be, like she said, pointing to pictures, doing lots of body parts, you know, understanding a lot. And it sounds like it had to be something that's pretty routine and pretty familiar for him to understand what she's saying and him to be able to want to do it. Or right. not want to do it. Him to be him to be able to understand it and follow through. Right. And it's not about being a choice that he's purposefully choosing what he will do and not do. Which a lot of parents chalk that up to. You know, they hear a two-year-old and say, "Oh, it's it's terrible twos. He's just he just doesn't want to do it because he's two, or because he's stubborn like his daddy, or." you know, any other kind of personality factor other than, no, this is a real developmental issue here. He really doesn't understand the question. Right. He doesn't understand the words, yeah. Right. So I'm so I'm so glad that she um, is being really purposeful about it and really serious about tackling that problem and helping him learn how to understand everything because when he understands more he's going to say more he'll have more to talk about and she she did say that you know of course he's going to have some articulation problems but i say this in the conferences and i'm sure i've said it here on the show i am really surprised when you get a late talker that doesn't have some articulation issues right because we know that that system isn't working like we would have expected it to or they would have talked on time. So you just anticipate that there would be articulation problems and you don't even worry about that yet until you really get the receptive language going and then the expressive language starts to pick up a little bit and you don't think about articulation until language, until kids are really, really, really talking first. Um, But I think I interrupted you when I went on this little rant. What were you going to say at the beginning? (laughs) About uh, I can't remember. <laughs> I really can't. Um, I don't know, Laura. I will say this: I'm with you. If they don't have Arctic problems, I'm in shock. I mean, I just really kind Me of expect that they're going. I've had a few who don't, and I usually right. spend a month or so saying, "I can't believe," how, you know, because I'm like, "Whoa!" She can say that. Yeah, yeah. to that. Normally they do, like you said. There is right. something going on with that system, or we wouldn't be seeing them. And right. how many kids have we seen that start out looking like maybe they're apraxic and then end up looking like they have a phonological disorder? That's just right. kind of part of it. Right. So anyway, I don't remember yeah, specifically what I was the whole res- 
Well, I think we, you were just going to say what I jumped in and said about the receptive language. They do just think that they understand these commands associated with familiar routines mm-hmm. and automatically assume that, well, he's just not following directions at other times because he doesn't want to do it. Right. I had a situation just recently where I was trying to reevaluate a child I've been seeing for quite a while. And um, so I was really presenting more direct questions than I normally do during, I mean, I always present some, but this was question, 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 where's this, show it's me that. Assessment, what's this? What a reassessment, yes. yeah. So, and that's, you know, really switching up how what my normal sessions look like. But anyway, I was doing it because I had to. And the little guy I was testing, boy, he was not responding to a fair amount of it, kind of just sitting there, um, and it's a further complicated because it's a bilingual situation, and mom tends to say, well, in our native language, he understands it. Um, anymore, I say, okay, can you show me that? Because I, truthfully, I guess I don't really think it's true, I, I, I and I've... Asked her, you know, over many months periodically to show me, and I've honestly yet to see him follow through, whether she's using English or their native language. He just doesn't follow through on lots of stuff. Anyway, he did. He's delayed in both languages. He is delayed in both languages. There's no doubt in my mind. I never hear him use the other language. I do trust that he does sometimes. He does seem to understand this is English time and this is the other language time. But in any case... He did respond to some of the questions, and this uh-huh. is a mom where I just really haven't been able to convince her that there is really a receptive language problem. She does on some level accept that there's an expressive language problem, but she doesn't seem to appreciate or, or believe. Understand herself. Understand, yeah. yeah, that there really is a receptive language problem. And when I said, well, why is it that when I asked this, he responded. When I asked him to show me that, he responded. Why all those other things? And she didn't really, have, you know, I. it's one of those sessions yeah. where I really like him and I really like her, but sometimes it's really uncomfortable because I hate when I'm in the position of having to prove over, right. you know, revisit the same. And I know they're uncomfortable topics, just like this is very, you know, near and dear to this woman, you know, who wrote this email. I mean, it's scary and it's... Um, upsetting and here i am sitting on her living room floor kind of drive trying to revisit that topic but to me it just doesn't make sense that you know every fifth or sixth or eighth or tenth question he responded and he wasn't running he wasn't in any way saying i'm not i'm not playing this game he was with me he just wasn't with me enough to respond appropriately and i kind of posed some of those things to her and you know, she didn't really have an answer. She just kind of shrugs her shoulders. But I know I haven't convinced her. And it's like, well, I don't know how else to put it. But So I like a mom who says, okay, okay, I get it. Yeah, yeah now, now that I really look, of course, this is a reading teacher mom, so she has probably some special, you know, she's done a great job exposing him to all the right things. I right. Mean, I it's so cute how she goes through, you know. The bad animals, the farm animals, the all, you know, we we go to the petting zoo. We She has done all the right stuff. And if right. there weren't some kind of innate issue with this little guy, of course he would know all those things because he's been exposed in many, many settings. It's ideal. She has done the ideal thing, and yet he still doesn't really know that information. So, Laura, do you want to talk some? Are you gonna, I mean, I know she's 
or your DVD, which is great. Did you want to talk some about strategies or well, oh, I guess that would be the great thing to do. Late. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's very late. Okay. Yeah, I do think that when she gets the DVD, she's going to have some really solid ideas of what she should work on. But in the first DVD, and Teach Me to Listen and Obey One, it so clearly outlines with these kids, you can't just tell them. You have to show them what you want them to do, and then you have to help them follow through. So that's the tagline. How do we cue kids with receptive language disorders? We tell them, we show them, we help them. We're going to tell them what we want them to do. So if she's playing with him with the cow in the barn and he doesn't get the cow, she's going to say, look, the cow, here he is. Mommy said get the cow, put the cow in the barn. And if she has another cow, she could model using her cow and putting him in the barn and show him and point. And if he still doesn't get it after that, then she should take his little hand and make him grab the cow and put it in the barn so that he's following through and he's understanding. And that's how you know when a kid really understands is what they're able to demonstrate. And I have that same or in the past have had that same dilemma with moms, Kate, like you described, that they don't really want to believe that their child doesn't understand it because on some level they're scared that I'm saying that their their kid's not smart or their kid's... um, you know that it's a little, it's more than like talking. It is a much more really... bitter pill to swallow that your child has right. receptive language issues than than expressive language issues. Right. And I I get that it is it is right. a bigger issue. And as a mom, if you had to choose one, we'd all go with expressive language issues. You know, it does say something more about what a child's understanding when they are not able to respond to those commands that a child that age should and 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 the mom that i was talking about she's highly educated she's very bright she's a good mommy i get it and i hate saying it i wish every child i saw only had an expressive language issue that would be great for all of us but sometimes it is more yeah and i think just kind of helping them work through that process and honestly there are some moms that you could tell her every week for a year and a half and maybe the therapist after you because there will be a therapist after you when he turns three because it doesn't sound like that's going to magically resolve Mm -hmm. she might have to tell her again it may be all the way up until he's in first grade and and the teacher says yeah yeah and sometimes it takes just hearing the same message even in little different variants of that from several different professionals before a parent is really able to understand it. This mom that sent the email, I wonder if her first therapist tried to say. It doesn't sound like it. It sounds like she got somebody who wasn't very good and reduced it all to he's just difficult. And he doesn't sound like a difficult kid at all. I think she read the child's inability to respond to what she was saying as just as parents do. He just doesn't want to. He's being spoiled. And it's like, "Mm, no, he didn't understand it. She she wasn't good. That's the sad truth. I would would say that's a safe conclusion. You know, but sometimes I, you know, I really have this career where I'm the replacement therapist a lot. And sometimes I think I might be saying 
the same thing that the other person maybe tried to say, maybe didn't say it in the same kind of way, maybe said it but didn't provide the reassurance with, yes, this is a big deal, but we're going to work on this and this can get better. You know, so sometimes I do think it just takes that next professional or the third person saying the same stuff before they right. really start to Or even to a couple of years. I have it. had some moms who... Yeah couple of years their child's in kindergarten first grade and I hear from them and they say guess what <laughs> you know yeah. you know that thing you were talking about three years ago yeah well we're still hearing it and now I get it, it I is, hear that it's a lot it's just kind of it's just too emotionally taxing or draining or exhausting right. or, or they're just not emotionally huh. ready and they have to process it for a couple years until they say, okay, I I accept it, I get it. But it's nice when they do get it like this mom does because now (laughs) she's addressing it and he's not three yet. He's, it's not exactly. going to wait she, until he's, he's just turning six. two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's just turning two, and so she's ready to roll up her sleeves and get to work. And again, it's not that she wasn't doing things correctly before. She just has to tweak it a little bit so that she can be sure that he learns it and that it's meaningful to him. And again, the reason I think he's following all those other commands in the context of the daily routine is, one, she's done it over and over and over, and two, the things that she described that he understands, there's a big there's a big uh consequence or a big reward for understanding time for baths. Oh yeah, you get to go splash around in the water or let's put your hat hats on, we're on. gonna go outside. Yeah. Yeah. There's a big a fun thing at the end of that. So he's learned to link it to, oh boy, I want to do this because this is gonna be a ton of fun rather than just kind of academic Point to the car. Where's the tree? Find the right. dog. And she doesn't that, sound like you know, she. You know, there's she, also yeah. a lot more visual support just by the very nature of you. Ha- you know, mom has the hat. Sure. Mom has the mm-hmm. juice and the milk, and she says, "Which yeah. is she was saying whatever, a banana or an orange or something." And right. I bet she had those many, 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 many times. And at first, right. she, you know, when a baby's really a baby, you do show them and hope you get a response, which she did. Whereas when you're saying Whereas to get the cow and put it in the barn, you may not be showing that as right. many times. Yeah, so anyway. Yeah, so she's going to be able to focus on it and work on it, and she sounds like she's got a great speech pathologist now. She said she's already seeing progress just in two weeks yeah, with great. just working on the right stuff. I was uh, I had a Skype on Friday with a family that um, they were so cute. The mom was in one place and the... The dad is in another place in another city, so that was kind of fun doing a three-person thing. And that's what she was saying. She said, you know, when I know what to work on, he learns it. You know, he I, the stuff that I've been working on the last couple of weeks, he's doing now. Mm-hmm. And so I, I love it when a parent gets that kind of reward and they right. see, oh, my goodness, this stuff works. This, I'm really going to be able to make a difference here. Now, will... You know, again, this little guy, by the time he's three, after this year, will he be completely caught up? We don't know, but we do know that he'll be further down the line than he would have been had his mom not known about this and not 
chosen to work on it as hard as it sounds like she's going to work on it to really help them. So I would just give her a big pat on the back and say, you know, good job, Mom, you're going to be able to do this. Yes, it's different from what you thought. Yes, it's more than what you signed up for because we have all these sweet little babies. We just imagine that they're going to grow up and everything's going to be fine and we don't think about all the things that could go wrong. And thank goodness we don't because none of us would probably ever reproduce then. (laughs) But it's at at the same time, though, I mean, he, I'm so glad that this mom is is deciding I'm going to be the one who makes a big difference here. You know, I'm the one that's with them the most and not just be dismissive and think, oh, well, I don't agree with that therapist's findings or, you know, this isn't a real big issue. So she's, she's doing the right thing, and I'm very proud for her. And I, I hope that at three he's going to look fantastic. And even if he doesn't, she's a teacher, and she's even had – uh, special education experience with teaching children with reading disabilities. So even if he's not completely caught up and even if he does tend to have some of those academic issues, she's going to be able to handle it because she's done that before and, she, you know, she's going to be able to navigate through it. And that's what I always try to tell moms too because I do think sometimes then they think he's going to get therapy and everything's going to be fixed. You know, I'm going to go in the kitchen and by the time you – I come out of here, you're going to have waved the magic wand and he's going to be talking. (laughs) Therapy doesn't work like that. (laughs) You know, sometimes it does take, you know, sometimes children are are great by three with early intervention. Sometimes it's more of a chronic issue that it's going to be all the way through preschool and they're not dismissed from speech until in elementary school. Some children are going to struggle their whole academic careers and unfortunately that's just – that's just part of it, and we don't necessarily know. Usually, if you start off with a more significant delay, you know, you've got more ground to cover. Those are the kids that we think may end up having um, more chronic issues, uh, but sometimes not. But you have to be prepared for that, too, sometimes, because don't you think sometimes parents do kind of think, oh, well, I'm going to get them therapy now, because they say early intervention totally works, and it does, but they that doesn't necessarily mean every little T might be crossed and I might be dotted so that they're right. completely done with speech by three. Yeah. Right. And that's that's hard news, too. Right. That's hard. And yeah. I do get all that. I mean, and I hate to be yeah. a dream killer. Breaker. Yeah, killer, you know. Oh. The dream and killer. I, don't try, yeah. I try not to dwell on Me that, too. but yet it's always a delicate balance of being right. honest and realistic and yet, positive and encouraging um so sometimes you just kind of have to go with the way it's going and hope for the best but yeah some kids yeah, are going to have exactly. a lot longer time in some system than others yeah and that's just the and way you it don't is. and you don't know that then it's just the way it is it's just the cards that they were dealt and mm-hmm. so you're just going to have to Decide I'm his mom and I'm going to love him regardless and I'm going to do whatever it takes on my part to make sure that we're giving him the very best start possible. So I don't know, really know what made me go down that road. But anyway, we haven't talked about that in a long time on here. So if there's a mom listening or a therapist who needs to have that conversation with a family that she's serving, maybe that's the purpose for us kind of talking about that and leading leading them through that little discussion. So, okay, we are at the end of our hour. And then some. Thank you for answering my yeah. personal therapy question, Laura. I will be You're emailing so you some words because she is the one on my caseload right now where I'm thinking, hmm, 
But let's start out with that next week. Let's start out with that because I think that's a really, well, we've never done that before. And I think it's a valuable it's a valuable thing to do, and it's something that a therapist might not have thought about before, especially somebody that, that's, you know, uh, and a DI, developmental therapist, special educator. They might not have ever gone through this process. So we'll talk about that next week. Okay, sounds good. All Thanks. right, talk to you later. Bye. Bye. 